You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And this show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. We're going to get to a bunch of your questions today. We've had a lot over the last few weeks. And really, even over the last few days, the NFL has not slowed down amid the craziness and the sadness that is out there in the world. I hope everyone is staying safe, staying home when they can, and taking solace in the fact that we have football to talk about. We have distractions here, and if that can, in some small way, be an escape for all of us, then there is some some positivity there, although obviously we all know that this pales in comparison to what is going on in the world. All right, so we're going to get to questions. I want to start, though, with a a topic that has been very much front and center over the last week, and that is this idea that the Packers are open, which was the phrasing we got on Friday, open to drafting a quarterback. Go back to the combine. Brian Gutekunst said that they would be looking at it, that they would not pass on a quarterback if someone they believed could be a franchise quarterback would be there. And he said something similar at his end-of-season press conference as well. So we knew, even before some of the reports that have come out in the last week or two, we knew the Packers were considering or at least contemplating life after Aaron Rodgers and looking at potential options. Part of this is due diligence. Remember last year, there was the reporting that the Packers were interested in Drew Locke. I think that was real. Based on what I've been told, that was not just leaks. That was real. They liked Drew Locke. And now, Friday report from Matt Miller over at Bleacher Report was that a front office member of another team told him that the Packers are considering a quarterback. That really isn't news per se because Brian Gutekunst has said on the record they're going to consider it to the point that Aaron Rodgers in an interview in the offseason had to be asked about the possibility that the team would do that. And his response was, look, if they draft a quarterback, that's fine. I'm going to beat him out and I'm not worried about that part of it. Now, there's been reporting that they've already met with some of these quarterbacks. They will meet with some of these quarterbacks. Jordan Love, they they have met with. Tom Silverstein reported that Jalen Hurts and Jacob Eason, along with Tua Tagovailoa, which would be wild, are also among the quarterbacks the Packers will have interviews with in this pre-draft process. Remember, 
You don't get to get your hands on them, don't get to have physicals, don't get to see them work out. Unfortunately, this pre-draft process is very different than a lot of the other pre-draft processes that teams have gone through. And does that affect whether or not the Packers are willing to pull the trigger on one of these guys? It, It certainly doesn't have no effect. You have less information on which to act. Now, does it make them more or less likely to draft one of these guys? That's still an open question. Now, will they actually pull the trigger here? My position on this has long been that in the first round, if they're going to take a quarterback, it has to be a guy who has the kind of ability that you just can't pass on. Someone who is so talented that the opportunity cost is mitigated of not taking you know, that receiver or that offensive tackle of the future, you're taking that quarterback who is going to be, in your opinion, not just a franchise quarterback, but a real star player for your organization. Quarterbacks are so important that if you think a player can be a franchise quarterback for you, unless you have an elite franchise quarterback, you have to take one. It's the smart thing to do. There are three players in this draft for me that are, are that guy. Joe Burrow. Tua Tangavailoa, and Justin Herbert. If it's not one of those three guys, I'm passing. Now, I think Jordan Love in a vacuum is a first-round prospect. I would take him in the first round. And if you're the Colts and you want a long-term solution in the top 15, draft him. And I think there are a lot of teams that would be wise to consider him. Even if you're a team like the Chargers and those top three guys are off the board, take him in the top 10. Quarterbacks are that important that you can do that. For the Packers, the question is a little bit different because they have Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers, by contract, is going to be the quarterback almost certainly for the next three years. So unless that unavoidable player goes, that player with that just inimitable talent, and you say, look, we cannot justify passing on this guy, much like Aaron Rodgers when he fell, a guy who was considered by some to be the number one player, number one quarterback in that draft. Unless that guy falls, I don't think it makes sense for Green Bay. The idea that they're considering it, though, it's not new information. We knew that. And considering it and want to do it are two very different things. We have to remember that as well. All right, let's get to your questions, and let's start with this one from Claudio Gentile. Who from last year's draft class can we expect to take great steps in year two? So this is there's a couple different ways we can think about this question, right? So who's going to take the biggest jump? For me, that's Jay Sternberger because he's going to go from two catches to a more prominent role in the offense to a potential tight end one type role in the offense where he's going to get 50, 60 targets in 2019. So It's going to be a leap from nothing to something. This is the kind of conversation we have about most improved player in the NBA, for example. What what is harder to do, to go from solid player to good player, good player to great player, or no player to some kind of player? So Sternberger is going to make that, that leap from nothing to something. That will be the most significant leap. Now, the guy who I think is going to be the best, most impactful player is Savage. Darnell Savage is going to be better in year two. He's going to understand the system better. You hope that he's gotten a little bigger, a little stronger to be more consistent in terms of his tackling. He has pro bowl ability, the playmaking instincts, the speed, the coverage, 
all of the dynamic and explosive talent that he has. He can be one of the best safeties in football. And so I expect him to be the best player in 2020. Now, I also think there's a case for Rashawn Gary. We've seen him. We're going to talk about Rashawn Gary in a second. But we've seen him come down and wait. We know he's going to have a bigger role in this defense with Kyler Fackrell out of town. So if he's, if he, if he's going from playing 20 25% of snaps to 40%, 45%, even 50% of snaps because we know how often Mike Patton wants to rotate these guys, how often he wants to play three outside linebackers at once. I think he can take a significant leap forward too. He had a post on his Twitter feed how he felt like you know he was, he was pretty close to having a 10-sack season. Now, I don't know if I would go that far, but I, I think he is certainly going to take a step. And and those are really your big options because Elton Jenkins is already really good. So I don't know that that you would expect a big step there. I think Kingsley Kiki is going to play a little bit more, but I don't expect a huge leap from him. So I, I think that's your answer. Sternberger is going to make the biggest jump, but Darnell Savage is going to be the best player. All right, here's another one on Rashawn Gary. This is from Mo in Fond du Lac. Any thoughts on moving Rashawn Gary inside to his more natural defensive end position instead of saying he's an outside linebacker? I know Fackrell is gone, so there's rotation spots now, but we keep talking about how we need help inside next to Kenny Clark, and we have a number one pick with no starting spot open. Put him on the field in a spot he played at Michigan, and don't try to convert him to outside linebacker where we have two studs. He is light, but the new defensive theory is interior pass rush, just wondering why there isn't more talk about it. There isn't more talk about it because the Packers have said he's an outside linebacker. So unless and until the Packers change their tune about that, it doesn't really matter what we think. Frankly, I mean, it never really matters what we think. But he didn't play 3-4 defensive end at Michigan, by the way. He played 4-3 defensive end at Michigan, and there is a difference. Now, he didn't play you know, that wide nine fly off the corner 4-3 defensive end. It is the case that he did a lot of um, taking on two blockers. He played on the tight end side so that they couldn't gain an advantage on the edge. He can play inside, and he's going to play inside. I would expect that we see a lot more of important snaps from him inside. Zadarius Smith more inside in pass rush situations. They want to bring him along, and I think we're going to see this year in particular more Zadarius Smith inside and Rashawn Gary on the edge in some of those sub-package looks, and I think that's a, that's a really good spot for him. He's going to play inside, but he's not the kind of guy that the Packers want to play at three technique on first down and expect him to hold up against interior offensive linemen in the run game. It's just not what he's great at. Now, could they play him some at five technique and and have him or even some of those four eyes and and the different kinds of defensive line techniques for three, four defensive ends. Yeah, you could. Uh, is it the best use of his talent? I don't think so. Uh, I think it makes more sense if you're the Packers looking for defensive line help to look for someone who can play that interior spot, eat up blockers on the inside, and then let your your real edge guys do the thing on the edge. All right, a lot more to get to with questions. This one from Paul Jensen. Hey, Peter, what do you think the chances are of the Packers drafting a quarter, a cornerback in the first? King was up and down and will be a free agent next year. And if Williams comes back, he isn't a long-term solution. Otherwise, it's hoping Jackson or backup takes a huge leap. Uh, this was a question that we dealt with a little bit yesterday, but I just wanted to bring up some names now that I've watched more of these guys. 
there are some players who I think the Packers could have some interest in in the first round. I think Christian Fulton is one of those guys. I think Trevon Diggs is one of those guys. And I don't think some of the names that we're seeing in the first round, if they fall to 30, are names that Green Bay would be interested in. Jeff Gladney, who you heard Eric Crocker talk about. Uh, Jalen Johnson is going in the first round. I don't think the Packers would be interested in him either. So there's a very specific group of players at corner who I think Green Bay could be into. But my, my gut instinct says that it makes more sense to look at a slot corner who can play safety. That Antoine Winfield type, that Kayvon Wallace type, and seeing if you, you know, maybe there's a corner, a true corner later in the draft. But it's something that that I think certainly we have to be aware of, that this cornerback position is far from settled. All right, this from Chris Bartell. Hey, Peter, what's happening? Hello, Peter. What's happening? Wondering what you would think of a trade with the Rams that would include the 30th pick and Woods or Cooks. Let's say the draft is a coin. Like you say, the draft is a coin flip. If we can get one of those wide receivers and then take the Rams second, is it worth it, especially with the Rams not having a first-round pick this year? Go Pack, Chris. So this is an interesting uh, trade proposition because what it essentially means is you are trading your first-round pick but you're getting back the Rams' second-round pick. And so it's a pick swap. And it's a pick swap for a, the Packers to get a, legi- a legitimate weapon at receiver. So the question is, do you, do you see enough value in that second-round pick? Now, if you're, if you're doing 30 to move to 52, which is what it would be, then you're looking at two second-round picks, Plus, you're getting one of those receivers. And frankly, to me, it doesn't matter which one of those guys it is in this case. I would do a deal like this because I have said I think a second-round pick for one of them is is doable. So if I would do a second-round pick, the, the difference in value from 30 to going to 52 is a second-round pick for sure. So that, that value works. You're getting that first-round pick. That first-round pick essentially becomes your your Brandon Cooks or your Robert Woods. A receiver that you would pick there is is likely not going to be as good as one of those players. And you're still getting another opportunity to pick a potential top 50-type player. So you get two shots in, in the first two rounds, even though they're both in the second, plus you're getting a premier talent. Yeah, I would do that. And just because the Packers haven't done anything like that yet, doesn't mean they won't. I mean, we could be sitting here on draft night, and and it could be the kind of deal that gets done then, uh, especially if there is a receiver that falls there. You know, let's say the Rams are obsessed with one of these guys. They're just obsessed with Denzel Mims. They're just obsessed with Brandon Ayuk. They're just obsessed with Justin Jefferson, and that guy's there. Could they say, hey, we'll give you one of these guys, give us 30, will give you 52. And if it's someone like Justin Jefferson, who I think is one of the 15 best players in this draft, and I'm Green Bay, I'm saying, okay, give me your two, and then we'll take your fourth two. And maybe they do that. Uh, and maybe that's greedy, but if if they want the guy that bad and I'm giving up um, that kind of top-tier talent, I want to be compensated for it. So I like I like that that deal a lot. I think it makes sense for the Packers. I think it makes sense for the Rams. Uh, especially because you are going to get that fifth-year option deal. You are getting a 
for a team that has some salary cap issues, you need cost-controlled players. And if you can get a pick for one of these guys, then you're also getting a top-tier talent. You're getting a first-round talent on a cost-controlled contract. That's obviously what they're looking for is a first. Now, if they have to give up a second, maybe that's too much for them. Maybe they would only do that for Cooks because you're getting off so much of that salary. But really, long-term, you're not. So even if it's for Woods, I think it makes sense. You know, the way that the Cooks contract is structured, I still don't see why the Rams would would trade him. There's so much guaranteed money in there that they've already eaten. But, you know, look, stranger things have certainly happened. All right, this is from J.P. Cathy on Twitter. Hey, Peter, how's it going? Quick question. I just looked at the list of top remaining free agents this offseason. A familiar name popped up. Mike Daniels, our run defense, sucked in a few games last year, so I don't think it's necessary to go out and invest a ton of draft capital and free agency to bulk up the run defense. Everyone needs to chill out about the NFC Championship game. What do you think about us attempting to bring back Daniels to help with run stopping? In a vacuum, it makes sense. Uh, If he is willing to come and play a lesser role, yeah, as a rotation defensive lineman, he's an upgrade over a lot of the players on this team. It is worth revisiting, though, because I got called a homer for this last year. That I was just like, look, Mike Daniels is a good player, and I don't think it's going to make the team materially worse if it means guys like Zadarius Smith get to play more. And this was, remember, before we even got to see those guys play. And yes, it hurt the run defense, but the fact that Preston and Zadarius Smith got to be on the field 85% of the time, the fact that Rashawn Gary and, and Kyler Fackrell were a, were a big part of the plan, I think, for Mike Patton and Kenny Clark played as well as he did, it didn't make this team much worse. Now, also factor in the fact that Mike Daniels got hurt. Mike Daniels barely played last year because he couldn't stay on the field. So... Can he stay on the field now? He's a year older, and one of the reasons the Packers cut him was because he's been dealing with injuries the last few years. If he's there, yeah, of course. He's better than Montrevious Adams and Kingsley Kiki. There's no question about that. Is he willing to come back and accept a pretty significant pay cut and a pretty significant reduction in potential role? Because even if he came back and you know could play and be healthy, He's still not going to play more than 40% of snaps. So is he okay with that? I mean, he's the only one that can that can answer that question. I can't answer that question for him. I've been surprised that Green Bay has not been more interested in some of these veteran interior defenders. Uh, a lot of them have been pretty cheap. And so I, I think Green Bay, two things, I, I, they are more comfortable with their interior defenders than we are. Brian Gutekunst signaled that in some of his postseason comments. Montrevious Adams, Kingsley Kiki, he said those guys are going to play a lot more this year. Okay, well, that means you have faith in them to do the thing. They were looking at a lot of the day two defensive linemen. So, you know, what are what are the priorities going to be on day two? If, if a defensive lineman is there, Raquan Davis, Jordan Elliott, some of those kinds of guys, Justin Matabuike, uh, you know that that's my guy. What are the options that they're going to have, and can they find someone to come in and, and be better? And if and if they're they're going to wait until day three, then you're just getting a rotation guy. You're just basically churning the bottom of the roster. That doesn't mean it's a bad idea. You know, if you can get an upgrade on Tyler Lancaster, go do it. But Kingsley Kiki is a really good player in terms of having that upside developmental type prospect. Uh, 
He's not a really good player in in a vacuum yet, and really good NFL player. But in terms of a developmental guy with versatility that that can play above his draft stock, that is Kingsley Kiki. He's a really good option to have there as a developmental type player. So you're drafting someone who you think can can match that or exceed it in terms of talent and upside. So if you're looking in the third round and you're like, yeah, this guy's got a third round grade, we like him, but we don't really think he's better than Kingsley Kiki, then maybe you feel comfortable going in another direction. And and that is the the part of the equation that I think we too often forget when we're looking at all of this. If you don't if you think a player is good, but he is not likely to be better than someone already on your team who you think can develop into a good player, then you pass. And whether that is a smart thing to do in the moment is a, a fair question. Every team misevaluates at times the players on their own team. But it is part of the calculations here. And, and Green Bay, they may feel differently about their interior defenders than we do. All right, let's finish up with this one. Hey, Peter, why is everyone freaking out that we don't have talent on receiver at tight end? Rookie Sternberger does a scramble drill to score a touchdown in the NFC showdown. Alan Lazard stepping up and owning his role. Jones killing it, run and pass. 13-3, first year with these guys in a new system. Yeah, we suck. No, you suck, doubters. Get your burgers. See what he did there. While they're hot, Aaron from so far coronavirus-free Illinois. Stay safe. Uh, clearly, that was from before the coronavirus got bad in Illinois, but uh, I, I think his point is well taken. This was a, a point I tried to make in the intro to the Locked On Packers newsletter this week. If you haven't subscribed to that, go check it out. Uh, original analysis plus curated content from around the internet on the Packers, uh, the best stuff, in my opinion. So uh, go check that out. But the point that I was trying to make was... It's easy to become so focused on free agency and the draft and say, these are all the places the Packers need to improve. And when all you're doing is focusing on improvement, it is sometimes too easy to say, here are all the things they do well. Here are all the things they were good at last year because they're important. And, you know, the pass rush last year was really good. Jair Alexander was really good. The defense was a a top 10 group against the pass. The offense was a top 10 group full stop. And so it's it's easy to forget that because you remember the ugliness, the frustrations, the the nail-biting at the end of games, and you remember the NFC Championship game. And I, I I totally get that. This team was really good last year. They can be really good again. And uh, they're a draft away from being right in the mix in the NFC, and 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 not even. I mean, if, if this was the the team they brought into the season, they're they're a ten win team probably. And you know, you get a, you get one or two impact rookies, and now all of a sudden you're looking at, at trying to get to 11, 12 wins, depending on their level of impact. You know, that's that's another really good team. The schedule's harder, and we're going to get the schedule here in May. It sounds like. Uh, whether or not we're actually going to be able to start on time in September is uh, a fair question and one that we do not have the answer to right now. But I just want everyone to remember how good this team was last year and that while there are some flaws and some things to improve on, to the point here from Aaron, uh, yes, this was the first year of the offense. They view this like Matt Ryan in Atlanta. They think year two can be explosive. You're going you're gonna to have a coaching staff get a full offseason to figure out how to best use these players. Plus, you're adding Devin Funchess, 
who I, I think can be a useful player. You're basically replacing Jimmy Graham with Devin Funches. And now they're going to probably add a receiver at the top of the draft. And how does that make them better? And then defensively, you know, you're you're replacing Blake Martinez with Christian Kirksey. I think that's an upgrade for them. Elevating Rashawn Gary, you're going to get Darnell Savage in year two. If Kevin King can stay healthy, there's a lot to like. There's a lot of talent on this team. And I think it is important for us to just remember and have some perspective on what really happened last year. All right, we're going to be back next week. Uh, Danny Kelly from The Ringer is going to join the show to talk about NFL draft stuff and a a lot more to come as we get closer to the draft. Just three weeks away now. So start to really get excited, narrow in, focus in on the players that you're looking for, why you think they fit with the Packers, and let's really have some fun the next few weeks. All right, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Make sure you've subscribed to the podcast wherever you get podcasts. Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, whatever it is, go subscribe, leave us a review, a rating, five stars, preferably, all that good stuff. And anytime you want to be a part of a show like this one and send us a note on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.